Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. That's very good. Excellent. Today is Monday, October 16th. Um, if you can, well, you probably can't see too well behind me, but the leaves are starting to turn here in Santa Fe. It's a crisp morning. I have my fingerless gloves on. I found uh, my second fingerless glove. Um, these ones are black and my aunt sent them to me. I really like them. Uh, somebody commented to me that all writers love fingerless gloves and I, it could be true. <laughs> but one of the things I did over the weekend where we've been doing some organizing, which is great and unusual for us, <laughs> not something we spend a lot of time doing, but um, I was forced to clean out what I refer to as the closet of doom uh, in my office because in our house, the, you know, like my office is actually a bedroom or it was intended as a bedroom by the builders, but it has a closet in it as one would have in a bedroom. And it's, this closet is where I just keep all kinds of stuff. There's a bookcase in there. There's a filing cabinet in there. It's where I keep my, my coats, my outerwear. We don't have a front closet. Uh, this cat is already totally wound around the furniture, but I'm not going to liberate him just yet. Uh, and also stuff in there like mailing envelopes and scales and and my abortive sewing projects of <laughs> this dress I started making during pandemic that I've not finished making. Uh, this is why it is called the closet of doom. And as happens with all closets, I believe, but mostly closets of doom, things pile up in there. Right. And then like, I can't properly close the doors and, but I don't deal with it often. And, one thing about our houses in New Mexico is that we have very little storage space. Okay, I've got to deal with the cat here. So I was forced to deal with it because uh, my keys fell back behind the bookshelf. And they fell back there like Thursday evening right as I was about to leave to go see the Taylor Swift concert movie with Megan. And so I didn't have a lot of time and I was afraid I wasn't going to get them out of there in time and have to take the other card and got that huge video. But anyway, so I just sort of pulled stuff out of there. Right. You know, and then used like the, the long handled grabbers, you know, the flashlight back there and I managed to get my keys out, but that meant that there was stuff all over my office floor and you couldn't like walk. <laughs> so I, um, Anyway, one of the things I did over the weekend was organize that closet and I'd been missing one of these gloves, which was also back behind that bookshelf. So it's nice to get things organized. David's been working on organizing the garage and it's really nice to have that be so much better. So we, we, I won't go into all of our thing about garbage. You don't care. Uh, it's funny because on Friday, I got a message from one of you listeners out there uh, 
that just really made my day. Uh, she wrote me this really long message about what the podcast meant to her and why she enjoyed it. And it just totally touched my heart because it was everything that I hope that this podcast will do for people. Uh, because I know a lot of you out there are readers like she is and not necessarily here for writing advice or industry advice, but interested to see, as she put it, the, um, you know, the backstage stuff. And which I, you know, I think is always interesting. I'm fascinated. I love to watch, um, oh, what's it called? The actors something. Yeah, you all are telling me and I'm not not hearing you. Uh, you know, where the, the one guy who I believe passed away recently uh, interviews actors anyway. And that's fascinating for me to listen to, partly because it's about creative process and people learning to do things. Uh, I think those things are universal. But back when I started this podcast, and likewise, when I first started... Uh, Back when I first started um, blogging back in the day, pre-podcast, I started blogging in something like 2009, the early days of the blogosphere. And I had a fairly successful blog. I mean, you know, you all know, longtime listeners know, I don't pay a huge amount of attention to those things. It's not why I do it. Uh, but a friend of mine gave me advice, which was really good advice where she said that she thought I could have a super successful blog if I focused on, say, writing topics, if I uh, focused at reaching um, other writers, or if I picked my audience. And she had said at the time, um, you know, you should be more focused <laughs> and talk more about writing and less about cats and New Mexico weather. Uh, <laughs> which is why I have the hashtag cats in New Mexico weather, because obviously I already on this podcast so far today, I have talked about both of those things, uh, you know, and she, she had a good point and other people have given me the advice with this podcast too. You know, they're like, who is your audience? And, and they say, if you know, if you're trying to reach readers, then you should, um, talk about topics that readers are interested in and not talk about writing and industry gossip. And occasionally I'm involved in some sort of, I don't know, writerly marketing promo thing where they talk about, oh, well, you know, you have to think how a reader thinks and not how a writer thinks. And to reach readers, you must do X, Y, Z. And I've just never been good at that. And besides which, that wasn't why I wanted to do this podcast. I wanted this to be about living life, about being a writer, about being creative, about making our way in the world. And I, I feel like the fact that I'm a Taoist, that that influences a lot of this kind of thing. So anyway, thank you for the really wonderful message. Uh, it was beautifully written and emotional and it, it made me weep a little bit and I was just so happy to hear that uh, that this podcast has meant something to to your lives and other people have said things along the lines too you know like 
that they feel like they're having a, you know, really sitting down and having a cup of coffee with me. So other thoughts along those lines. I actually wrote them down. That was very organized of me, wasn't it? Oh, one of the things she mentioned was about refilling the well and how the things I talk about with refilling the well are universal. And I think that's really important to remember. Uh, it becomes very pointed for creatives, especially those of us learning our, earning our living or learning our living uh, by being creative. And because we're, we're keenly aware of when we're not able to create. So I think maybe it becomes more pointed in our lives, uh, more of an emergency situation than for someone who is, say, a lawyer, except that it does affect all of us, that there are days where, you know, where we are out of energy for keeping children alive um, and trying to teach them how to be people and not small devils in human form. Uh, when we're trying to do our jobs, which often involves dealing with personnel issues and all of that, you know, stuff that is so draining. And there are days, and here we are on Monday. So some of you may have the don't want us today after having a lovely weekend. And then you have to face going back to work and to that one person who bitches about what people put in the shared refrigerator or what have you. Working in an office is difficult. Uh, so I think that, you know, the ideas of refilling the well, of having the energy to do the things that we want to do and to feel like we're doing a good job. Most of us want to do a good job, right? So I did have a point here that I thought it was interesting that she found the well refilling stuff very useful. Oh, yeah. Um, she was talking about raising kids and that's obviously a ton of work, especially when they're little uh, in ways that I think a lot of our culture doesn't give us credit for, and, you know, that it's, it's like, well, it's a natural process. So all you have to do is, you know, sort of stuff food down their mouths, like a mama bird. And <laughs> it's like, Oh, if only, but one of the things that she mentioned, and I hope you don't mind if I quote, I already am, but, uh, you know, she was saying when she had a small baby that people were telling her to take time for herself and that she didn't know what that meant. And that resonated with me because um, being a caretaker for my husband who has Parkinson's disease, uh, it seems like more and more lately uh, people are talking to me about being his caretaker and how difficult that is and how draining that is, which is, these are their words, not mine. Oh, and it's kind of funny, you know, like when we had our friend come out and visit a couple of weeks ago, he said something to me about it. You know, he's like, well, you know, being a caretaker is hard because, you know, like his sister has to take care of her husband, who's also has Parkinson's, you know, and he's like, it's draining, it's hard. And, you know, you have to take care of yourself. And, and I have other friends, very well-meaning, wonderful friends who say same, the same thing to me, you know, and how I need to make sure to take care of myself. But as the gal who uh, wrote to me said, uh, nobody actually tells you how to do that. <laughs> and I think that they don't know. Now, my friends who are closest to me 
seem to have the most pointed, most pointed advice, <coughs> you know, because they say, well, you should do this thing because that would make things easier for you. And, and that's really helpful when you have people in your life saying that. But otherwise, you know, it's really up to us, right? Not to be a Swifty quoting Taylor Swift lyrics, but y'all know who I am. Uh, you know, I love her song, You're On Your Own Kid, You Always Have Been. Because it's just, it's true. We're, we're all on our own in many ways. We form connections and we form networks and communities and we have some support, but ultimately we're on our own. And we have to figure out these things for ourselves. And when people say, oh, well, you know, you need to make sure to take care of yourself. They always mean after you do these things for me. <laughs> Um, and they don't necessarily do that consciously, but they know what they want and need from you. And so they're, you know, they're not going to tell you, oh, don't do this thing for me in order to take care of yourself. Some people will, but most will not, you know, certainly your boss won't, your coworker won't, um, your children won't, probably your spouse won't. So we have to figure out these ways to take care of ourselves that goes against a lot of the things we've been taught. Oh, mournful meow, be right back. He had himself all wrapped up around the legs of the lounge chair. Um, <laughs> cats in New Mexico weather, what can I say? Oh, no, here he is behind me. <laughs> You're a good kitty, aren't you? Uh, so, and I'm, I'm aware I'd lost my train of thought there. I had to like stop and see what I was talking about. But, you know, refilling the well, finding ways to take care of ourselves. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to use the S word, selfishness. And I think that we all work really, really hard not to be selfish. Being called selfish is like one of the worst things, right? It's... It's a almost criminal accusation, right? You're being selfish. And I think especially women, especially women are taught that we should not be selfish, that this is the, this is the cardinal sin of womanhood, right? If how dare you put your own needs before someone else's or your worse, your own wants. <laughs> I think to be fair to the guys, uh, if you are a parent, you get that lobbed against you a lot, right? You're supposed to give up everything for your kids. You're not allowed to be selfish when it comes to your kids. And the thing is, is that if you're raising kids, then there are times when you absolutely have to be selfish, right? Cause you know, it's that, um, put on your own oxygen mask first, right? Uh, I saw a funny send up of that in a movie or a show recently, but I'm not going to be able to think of what it was where it's almost like, that's a terrible metaphor. That's not even the point of the whole thing, but, but it is, it's, you have to be able to, you have to have a full well in order to deal with raising small humans or teenage, especially teenage humans. Right? So, you know, this thing that selfishness is, is a social tool, right? To, get us to 
behave in ways that benefit other people. But in order to take care of ourselves, and you notice that they don't use that word, you know, like, oh, well, it's good to be selfish. Uh, <laughs> you know, instead it's, a, oh, well, take care of yourself. As long as it doesn't impact anybody else, as long as uh, nobody else is bothered by your taking care of yourself, which is probably why they always recommend things like hot baths, right? That one drives me crazy. I think I've ranted about that before. Like you're supposed to, you know, have a glass of wine and read a book on a hot bathtub with candles. And it's like, because theoretically that won't take too much time away <clears throat> from what you're doing for everyone else. Uh, this last week we our blogging topic on the SFF7 was writing retreats and whether we do them and whether they're useful. And the thing is, the social writing retreats, I don't get much writing done. And one of the other gals, Marcella Bernard, said that she likes doing the solo thing, going away for a couple of days by herself. And I'm thinking about doing that because that when I am by myself and I don't have to think about anybody else's needs, that is truly relaxing for me. So it's an interesting thought. All right. What was, oh, I know the other thing I wrote down is that I started a reread of Robin McKinley's Deerskin, which was my gateway drug for Robin McKinley. And uh, oh, I love that book. And I did, as I've started to do, many of you know, um, just went ahead and bought the ebook so I could read it on my Kindle because I'm just much more likely to, it's so much easier to read in bed on my Kindle. And I just, it was delightful to read this book, which came out in 93. So it is now 30 years old. And I read it when it came out. Uh, it's fascinating to me what I remember and what I don't remember in a story, the images I remember. not always the most salient parts of the story, which I think is important when as writers, we talk about, oh, well, you shouldn't have anything in the story that doesn't drive the momentum of the story forward. And it's like my favorite books, the pieces that I remember most clearly are these images uh, that arguably don't do anything to drive the momentum of the story forward. And I was reflecting that I know I was talking last week about just wanting to read something that I knew would be good. And I talked to a few people about that this week. And I, I should put the air quotes around it. Good. Because I don't know what that means always. But I was noticing reading Deerskin and reading Robin McKinley, who is so freaking brilliant. <laughs> It's the other thing is it's like she both inspires me and I read her and I go, ah, con, because she's so good. But I find that it's very relaxing for me mentally to read books that I know will meet, I don't know, a certain standard. Oh, I hate that. But uh, because I can relax my editor brain, I realized uh, here and there, my editor brain would wake up and I'd be like, oh, that was poorly phrased or something like that. But for the most part, I could just sink into the story and, and I could feel that feeding the story part of me. 
so so yeah the other cool thing that happened over the weekend was uh my dear friend lexi ryan who i have known for i don't know probably almost 10 years now um sister writer sister rita winner uh lexi wrote a wonderful fantasy romance duology and i saw she's got the third one coming out uh these hollow vows was the first one uh she was looking for a lush very romantic uh textured fantasy and was asking for recommendations on facebook and i'm like well you want me to send you one of mine because you know we never have time to read all of ours and she's like no i want to buy it where should i start and i said um read dark wizard so she's been reading that over the weekend listening to the audiobook and posting the nicest things about it she said that if consent kink is a thing this book is it which i just love and she called me brilliant which i also love so that's pretty awesome so um oh and on friday afternoon i got editorial letter back from my new editor and so i have yet to dig into that but things are moving there hopefully we can announce soon and then you can have all the details uh yeah so i'm gonna go get to work i hope you all have a terrific week um, and here I am, I don't have any of my wands outside with me, but I'm going to wave my metaphorical magic wand and I'm going to give you permission to be selfish. Go and do something this week that is totally and completely selfish, uh, and enjoy it. And I will talk to you all on Friday. You all take care. Bye-bye.